listen, we're going to uh, jump into our, our word for today, uh, and we're going to launch from a very familiar psalm, very familiar psalm, Psalm 100, Psalm uh, 100. Some of you probably don't even need to turn in your Bible, <laughs> Psalm 100. You can recite it um, from, you can recite it by heart uh, today from, from your memory, from the depths of your soul. Uh, but psalm 100 from the English Standard Version should be appearing shortly on your screen. Uh, there you will find these words. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is God who has made us, and we are God's. We are God's people, the sheep of God's pasture. Enter God's gates with thanksgiving and God's courts with praise. Give thanks to the Lord and bless God's name. For the Lord is good. The Lord's steadfast love endures forever, and God's faithfulness is to all generations. Amen. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be unto God for God's word. As we kick off this Thanksgiving revival uh, over the course of this month of November, I want to tag this text with the topic, A Framework for Thanksgiving. A Framework for Thanksgiving. Uh, there, there has been a lot of construction happening in the area where my family and I live, and it's been uh, interesting to watch homes take shape around us over the last few months. The process begins with the footing being poured, followed by the foundation of the home being laid. And then uh, there is this process uh, of the structure actually taking shape, which starts with the framing of the, inner, of the outer and the inner walls, the levels of the home, and the roof. Now, to be clear, I want to let you know I'm not uh, an architect or construction worker. However, being up close and personal to the process of homes being built has taught me that having a solid framework for a structure is important. It is the framework which gives shape and definition. It, uh, the plywood and the drywall are attached to the framework. The electrical and the HVAC systems of the home all need a solid framework to help with routing and placement in the context of the structure. Y'all, a solid foundation is important and significant to a successful building project and a solid framework is essential for providing, uh, for, uh, for supporting and providing stability to a structure. And y'all, a faulty framework can cause a structure to fall apart, somewhat, somewhat like a house of cards. Y'all, this is not only true in the world of construction, it is also a key principle when it comes to our lives. A solid framework will be able to sustain, sustain the weight of challenging circumstances, troubling trials, and unexpected obstacles. A faulty framework, however, is dangerous because what it means is that even with a solid foundation, things can still fall apart. If our framework is off, it can lead to mistakes and missteps. It can, it can uh, lead us to not being able to withstand the pressure of tense moments and trying times. And as we approach this season of gratitude, it's important for us to have the right framework for Thanksgiving. Y'all, Thanksgiving isn't just a holiday on the calendar, but Thanksgiving is the disposition of the life of the disciple of Jesus Christ. Gratitude is a part of what we should do, and it requires that we have the right structure to align, uh, to align ourselves and align our thanks in a way that we are able to follow the words of Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5 uh, and, and allow that to be our reality that in everything we can give thanks. 
I believe this is what our psalmist helps us with today in our text, developing a solid framework for thanksgiving. Uh, psalm 100 is a psalm that concludes and even some would suggest summarize the preceding psalms, verses 95 through 99. These are known as the coronation psalms that celebrate God as eternal king. And each psalm celebrates a different aspect of this. There are psalm, they are psalms that encourage the songs and the shouts to celebrate the reign of our high and holy God. And in reading Psalm 100, in many ways, is a synopsis of that is shared uh, of the preceding five songs of praise in the, in the Psalter. And it was initially intriguing to me as I read this familiar psalm uh, that there was a phrase right before the psalm, right before verse 1, that is uh, somewhat of an instructive inscription. Uh, before the first verse, it says, a psalm for giving thanks. I know it's not real deep. It doesn't seem like it is very significant. However, what we must recognize is throughout the Psalter that many of the poetic renderings come with titles that mark the author and oftentimes the situation that sparked the writing of the psalm. But y'all, this one is very simple. It's a psalm that helps guide us in giving thanks. It is the only psalm that has this title, and I think we ought to pay attention, attention to that uh, as it implies that there is a particular way that we ought to approach giving thanks unto the Lord. Uh, and that's a good place for us to pause right now uh, to consider how we approach our times of gratitude. Because often, saying thank you can be more of a reflexive response to someone doing something for us. Uh, we know that saying thank you is a sign of good manners. That's what we teach our kids. And because of this, y'all, we can often put saying thank you on autopilot. Uh, we say thanks in the grocery store to the cashier that rings up uh, our order. We, we say thanks when someone holds the door for us when we're walking into a building. We say thanks uh, to our family member or friend who passes us the salt and pepper at the dinner table. We say thank you and it becomes a routine action in our lives based on the circumstances in our lives. It is an action but it is not always our disposition. However, what the psalmist is challenging us to do in the text is to be intentional in how we give thanks to the Lord. And even more than that, that thanksgiving should be the disposition of our lives. The routine ways in which we say thank you in our lives should not be our approach in giving thanks unto the Lord, but that our thanksgiving should be structured around the notion that God is centered and central in our giving thanks. Y'all, God has done more for us than hold the door open. God has done more for us than rung up our order at the grocery store or at the restaurant. God has done more for us than pass the condiments at the dinner table. God has done more for us. And because God has done more, God deserves more. And in our text, the psalmist is telling us that we ought to offer more than a routine offering of thanksgiving. And then gives us the instructions for a strong framework for thanksgiving. You see what the text says. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into God's presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is God who has made us and not we ourselves. We are God's people. We are the sheep of God's pasture. Enter in God's gates with thanksgiving. And into God's courts with praise. Give thanks to the Lord and bless the name of our God. For the Lord is good. God's steadfast love endures forever. And God's faithfulness is to all generations. I don't know if you caught it, but that's our framework for thanksgiving. 
Uh, let me break it down for you. Let me share with you because I hear you asking the question. I hear the text pe- preacher. I hear what you're saying. But what are the parts of the framework for Thanksgiving? Well, the first thing that I think the psalmist helps us to recognize, the first part of this framework for Thanksgiving is a comprehension of the role of God. It's a comprehension of the role of God. Y'all, the very clear object of this psalm is established as the Lord. In the first verse, it says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. And then in verse 3, the psalmist continues saying that know that the Lord is God. Y'all, culturally, the children of Israel were called to be different than the other nations that surrounded them. And while the other nations worshipped multiple gods and often made of wood and metal and stone, the Israelites worshipped one God. This was the impetus behind the necessary emphasis on the one true God as the object of their praise and thanksgiving. The people were often seduced by their uh, worship practices of other nations. They didn't forget about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but they often elevated other deities of other nations alongside the God of Israel. When the God of Israel, y'all, was in a class all by God's self. And this helps us. And it even ought to convict us today because we can easily fall into the trap of appearing as if God is our central focus, but actually living lives that have decentralized God. Yes, in our thanksgiving praise and our joy and praise and joyful shouts, we can be those that celebrate God in the mix with everything else. It's not that God isn't important to us. The problem is that God isn't primary. Our God, is it, our God is one of one, the only true and living God who has proven God's self time and time again in our lives. Yet so often we can slip into elevating the people that God has connected us to, the resources that God has given us, the opportunities that God has afforded us to the same status as God. But your job isn't God. Your significant other isn't God. Your kids aren't God. Your money isn't God. Your house ain't God. Your car isn't God. Your possessions isn't God. God is God. And when we fully comprehend the role of God, these are moments of coronation and celebration that are summed up in these verses remind us that our lives ought to be centered and focused on God and rooted in the comprehension of who God is. The psalmist helps us because one of the important roles that is highlighted is the role as God as our sovereign Savior. Listen, it's in the text, I promise you, in the original language of the text, we see the title Lord in all caps. Uh, But in the original language, that is relating to the name for God that has been transliterated into English as a Yahweh. This is the name that God gave to Moses in the introductory conversation on Mount Sinai as God was setting into motion the plan to save the Hebrews from the Egyptian oppression. This is the name of God that means I am that I am. In other words, God has all power. God has all authority. God has all access to do and to be whatever God needs to do and be. And here's your reason to shout right now in your living room. Your reason to shout right now in your bedroom, in your car, wherever you find yourself. Here's your reason to shout. And it's that God expresses that same salvific sovereignty in our 
lives today. Whatever we need, God can do it. Whatever we lack, God can be. Things aren't rolling along in our lives by happenstance, but God is actively involved in what is happening right now and in the future. God is simultaneously working things out for us in the context of working things out for the world. God knows who you are. God knows where you've been. God knows where you're headed. God has been keeping you and will keep you. And if you tune to the right faith frequency, God will lead you and guide you into God's best for your life. The psalmist helps us. He says that God is our, uh, our the role, one of the roles of God is as our sovereign savior. But the psalmist also raises another role of God. And that is that we need to comprehend that that is that God is our caring creator. He's our caring creator. I promise you it's in the text in verse 3. The psalmist says, no, that the Lord is God. It is God who has made us and not we ourselves. We are God's people, the sheep of God's pasture. Uh, the first name that we read about in uh, about God in the Bible is Elohim, which refers to God as the creator and the originator of all things. And what is most interesting about how the psalmist reminds us that we are God's creation and connects that fact to, uh, to the fact that God is our shepherd and providential, and providing providential care for us. God created us, y'all, and God cares for us. Y'all, my six-year-old son, my son, my oldest boy, Marvin, my namesake, He's a talented artist, y'all. He looks like me, but he got all the talents and the personality of his mama. Uh, he, he's a talented artist, y'all. His drawings and artistic ability at six is way better uh, than mine at 39 years old. And one of the habits that frustrates his mother and I is that he will come up with the most beautiful creations and then turn around and throw them in the trash can. We always ask him, why do you create such cool and creative things and then throw it in the trash can and his only response is y'all I don't want to keep it I, I didn't want to keep it well uh, I think you and I today ought to be glad that God is not like my son God created you as a masterpiece and God cares for you there might be people that want to throw you away but God is invested in making sure that you are saved in making sure that you are healed in making sure that you are delivered in making sure that you are cared for we are never let it slip to the back of our minds that God made us we are never let it slip to the back of our minds that we didn't make ourselves and we ought to realize that it's in our best interest to place our full trust and faith in God God made us we are God's people we are God's sheep God leads us by the still waters God leads us into green pastures for God's namesake God God is with us at the highest moments and even in the deepest and darkest valley. God is the shepherd that leaves the 99 sheep that are safe for the one that is in danger. That is in danger. God is the creator that takes care of God's own creation. And if God trusts the lilies with beauty and splendor, how much more will God clothe you and I? And if God watches over every sparrow, how much more does God love you and I? And when we can solidify in our minds and in our hearts that God's role is our sovereign savior and caring creator, that's more than enough reason to thank God and to give God praise. It's more than enough reason that when we think about God looking out for us, 
God's creating us and God taking care of us. You want to praise God right now. Lift your hands in those comments. You comprehend the role of God. That's the first part uh, of the framework for Thanksgiving. But the second part of this framework for Thanksgiving that the psalmist raised for us is the consideration of the reputation of God. Yes, the consideration of the reputation of God. Check the text. The psalmist closes the psalm with a declaration about the reputation of God. Look what it says in verse 5. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness is to all generations. The psalmist is lavish and extravagant in their celebration of the character and the reputation of God. And I want to let you know that God's reputation is developed and is founded and based on God's nature as revealed through God's action. This means that the psalmist was imploring people to praise God and to thank God because of what, what God, because what God has done has revealed who God is. The psalmist knew that God was good uh, because they had experienced God's goodness. They knew that God's love was enduring and steadfast because there had been exhibition of divine love through God, through the history of God's movement in the world. They knew that God uh, was faithful. But uh, that God's faithfulness rather was timeless because of the evidence that God had been faithful and remained faithful to them down through the years. There was liberation and deliverance. There was protection and provision. There was correction and redirection. There was compassion and healing. The history of the people of God was the verification and affirmation that was needed for this call to give thanks to the Lord as they looked back at God's reputation had proven to be stellar. Indeed, the scripture is full of the testimony to the reputation of our God. Repeatedly, the Psalms, along with other songs of praise in the biblical text, testify to the goodness of God. Paul reminds us in Romans about the steadfast nature of God's love when he says that he is persuaded that there is nothing that will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus and Jeremiah informs us that the mercies of God are new every morning. Great is God's faithfulness. That indeed is the summation of the scripture. Uh, that, that indeed is the summation of scripture that is a written witness of the consistent goodness, persevering love, and unending faithfulness of our God. I would suspect, however, that there is someone listening right now, someone watching on Facebook or Zoom conference call, someone on YouTube who doesn't even need help from the psalmist. They don't even need help from Jeremiah or from Paul because when you look back at the action of God in your own life, you can see the character of God revealed, that God standing with you has been solidified because of the residue of the movement of God evident in your life, that when you think about all the Lord has done for you, when you think about all the Lord has kept you from, when you think about all the Lord has provided, when you think about all the ways the presence of the Lord has been prevalent in your life, that your declaration is, ref is reflective of the words of the psalmist, that the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures through all generations. And my brothers and sisters, I just want you to know that the mighty works that God has done in your life, the amazing moves 
that God has made on your behalf, the doors that God has opened and the ways that God has made for you, the miracles that you have been witness and party to, they are all evidence that solidify the reputation of the Lord. Uh, But I want to caution you because our praise and our thanksgiving ought not stop with God's action because because while reputations are established by actions, they are revelations of character. Let me say it one more time that while reputations are established by actions, they are revelations of character. In fact, as we thank God for what God has done, we also ought to be thanking God for more revelation of who God is because y'all, that's really the heart of the matter. Learning to attach ourselves more to who God is than what God does because sometimes God's action or inaction doesn't make sense based on what we think should happen. Every place the Lord leads us won't be a promised land. Every situation won't leave us feeling blessed and highly favored. In fact, it's a deeper place of faith and trust when we can clearly recognize that our circumstances don't always define the character of God. That even if it doesn't look good for us right now, we can trust the faithful God uh, is wor- that is working it out for our good. It might feel bad in this moment, but our loving God is present with us even in this. It might not make sense to us in this moment, but God's record of faithfulness tells us that God is going to bring it all together. Uh, and if we can place our trust more in the nature, the character, and the heart of God than what we receive from God's hand, then our circumstances won't diminish our belief. Our trials won't diminish our faith. Our challenges won't change our opinion. Our crises won't dismantle our confidence because we know when it's all said and done that the Lord is good. God's mercy is everlasting. God's love is enduring. God's truth is timeless. And God's faithfulness endures to all generations. And I just need you in the comments right now to say, I trust your heart, God. I trust your heart. I trust your heart. In spite of where I am right now, God, I trust your heart that you're going to work it out for our good. Now, this framework is built first uh, when we comprehend the role of God. Second part of this framework for Thanksgiving is considering the reputation of God. And the final part of the framework for Thanksgiving is a celebratory response to God. Yeah, yeah, celebratory response to God. The construction of this particular psalm was very intriguing to me because the more I read it, the more I felt like the psalmist was bossing me around. I felt like the psalmist was bossing me around. I mean, I, I don't think that the psalmist was making suggestions here in the text. It was more like they were giving commands. There are a lot of imperative statements that serve as instructions for how we offer thanksgiving and praise unto our God. God is the object of the psalm. However, the the direction is clearly telling us how we ought to celebrate our God. Look at verses 1 through 4. Verse 1 says this, make a joyful noise. Verse 2 says, serve the Lord. Come into his presence. Verse 3 says, know that the Lord is God. Verse 4 says, enter into God's gates. Give thanks. Bless God's 
name. I know when you when I read it like that and put that emphasis on it, you feel like I'm bossing you around right now. Y'all, the psalmist is suggesting to us that these aren't just mere options. These are instructions and maybe more than that, mandates about the expected response to the role and the reputation of our great God. It is as if the presence of the Lord demands intentionality in our approach, that there are expectations of how we celebrate God. And perhaps that's what's missing in our times of thanksgiving unto the Lord uh, in praise and worship, that collectively and individually we aren't as intentional about being in the presence of the Lord, Uh, perhaps because we have made God one of many important things. Instead of our primary focus, perhaps uh, we spend too much energy on things that that are preferences and options instead of putting our focus where it really belongs. And if we hadn't learned anything else in the last 20 months of this pandemic, we should have learned that the complexities around connecting with God in worship and thanksgiving aren't as necessary as we thought. We ought to be clear that our sole focus ought to be on celebrating God. That our time in the presence of the Lord is about cheering for our God, shouting for joy, worshiping the Lord, serving our God, giving thanks and blessing the name of our great God. Uh, But y'all, there's something else I noticed about this text. Uh, There is an element of our celebratory response to the presence of our God that requires us to be prepared for God's presence that not only should we respond, but we need to be ready to respond. Uh, this ought not be an impromptu thing. This ought, we ought not be caught off guard. We need to be prepared to respond. And y'all, it's one word in the text that really grabbed my attention. It ought to grab yours as you read it as a well. It's the word with. Yeah, the word with. Yes, yes, I know we can easily read right past it without pausing to recognize its significance in the context. In the midst of the imperative instruction offered by the psalmist, we are reminded that our celebratory response to God should be an accompanied action. Check the text in verse 2. The psalmist says that we should serve the Lord with gladness and come into the Lord's presence with singing. Uh, in verse 4, it says we, we are called to enter into God's gates with thanksgiving and to come into God's courts with praise. Gladness and singing, thanksgiving uh, and praise. We are called to come with these things. That our action and celebration of the role and the reputation of God requires us to be attentive to the way uh, that we engage with the presence of God. And here's the reality, y'all, of why the with in the text is important. What we do is just as important as how we do it. Uh, We've seen folks that show up to worship dressed to the nines with the nastiest attitudes. Uh, We've seen, we've experienced folks who have come to look the part of what we believe is a a become comfortable with as a church member with the spirit of entitlement and arrogance as if they are doing God a solid by showing up into the worship experience. You might have that attitude right now. You might think you're doing God a favor by logging in on Facebook or YouTube or Zoom conference call. All I'm saying today is that perhaps we ought to 
to be less concerned about how we look to the people and more concerned about having our hearts right before the Lord. Uh, Serving and singing loses its value to God when the disposition of our hearts isn't solely tuned in to honoring God. Uh, Our entering, our giving, and our blessing is only performative in nature. It's only going through the motions when we aren't doing them from a place of thanksgiving, of gratitude, and joy. So before you enter into the space of worship and praise, you've got to make sure that you are coming with something. I know you're ready to get back into the sanctuary. I know you're ready to worship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. I know that you miss gathering in the building with your brothers and sisters. I miss it too, but I want to caution you. Don't you come back in here the same way you left in March of 2020. You ought to make sure that you are getting ready. You ought to make sure that you are celebrating the role of God. You ought to make sure that you are celebrating the reputation of God. After all God has kept you through, even in these last 20 months, the fact that you had COVID and you still alive, that you lost your job and you were still eating and had a roof over your head, you better not come back in here playing with God. It's time to show up with some intentionality, recognizing that we ought to come with something. We got to come with worship. We've got to come with thanksgiving. We've got to come with gratitude. We've got to come with joy. We've got to come ready to blow the roof off of this place, making a joyful noise for our great God. In fact, you ought not let this moment of worship pass you by. I know you're not in the sanctuary, but you in your living room, and that's your sanctuary for today. You bet not miss it, because right where you are, you ought to begin exalting the Lord for who God has shown you God is. Right now where you are, you ought to open up your days in personal worship. You ought to open up your life, filling your heart with thanksgiving and joy, filling your heart with love and gratitude, filling your heart with expectancy and amazement at what our great God has done and what our great God can do. In fact, this is where the Psalms help us, not just Psalm 100, but the entire Psalter is a primer in thanksgiving and praise to our God. So if you can't figure out nothing else to say, you can just tell the Lord, I will bless the Lord at all times and God's praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord, so much so that the humble will hear thereof and be glad. Oh magnify the Lord, hear thereof and be glad. Oh magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt God's name together. Uh, That one might not work for you so you might want to try this one that says come let us sing unto the Lord let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation let us come before God's presence with singing and make a joyful noise unto God in song I know you might not know that one let me try one more oh give thanks unto the Lord for the Lord is good for his mercy endures forever let the redeemed of the Lord say so and I 
know you've been redeemed because if you believe in Jesus Christ, then you know he redeemed you by his blood on Calvary's tree. In fact, he cried out a psalm himself on the cross that said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he died on that hill called Calvary. But early on Sunday morning, you know how the Baptist church do that early on Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hands. And just for that simple fact, you ought to begin right now with your celebratory response, with the fruit of your lips, celebrating our great God. You better lift him up right where you are. God, you are awesome. God, you're amazing. God, you're incredible. God, you're wonderful. God, you've been better to me than I could be to myself. God, I love you. God, I thank you. God, we praise you today. You got to celebrate him right where you are. Lift him up in your home. The Bible says, Jesus declared that if I be lifted up from the earth, that I'll draw all men, women, boys, and girls unto me. Y'all, we got a framework. The psalmist helps us, gives us a framework for Thanksgiving today. A framework is a comprehension of the role of God, consideration, the reputation of God. And a celebratory response to God. You better get ready to celebrate what the Lord has done. Come on, let's pray. God, we thank you for being our sovereign Savior, for being our caring creator. We thank you, God, that your reputation is good with us. That things in our lives haven't been perfect, but that doesn't reflect on the fact that you aren't perfect. That things haven't always gone the way that we desired. But we trust your character. We trust your hand. We trust your heart. Even in the midst of trying moments and circumstances. God, we celebrate you even in the midst of the challenges that we face. Even in the midst of the uncertainty in our lives. We celebrate you today, God. We thank you. So, God, we come making a joyful noise unto you. Serving you with gladness. gladness, Coming into your presence with a song on our heart. Knowing that you are God, that we are your people, that you made us. We didn't make ourselves. We enter into your gates with thanksgiving and into your courts with praise. We know, God, that you are good. Your steadfast love endures forever and that your faithfulness stands to all generations. God, and just because when we think about that, all we can do is say thank you. All we can do is be grateful. God, let this be the framework for our thanksgiving that regardless of where we go where we find ourselves and what we face that we will always be connected to the fact that we can trust the heart of our great God God we pray now some man, woman, boy or girl that needs to get connected with you some man, woman, boy or girl that needs to know that you are right there with them that the Spirit's been urging them and tugging them to say yes and connect with you today God we're praying right now that they would respond and say yes to you through your son Jesus Christ God, we're praying now, God, to those who need to rededicate their lives, reconnect and recommit themselves to the church, that they would do it right now. That those uh, who need to get connected with the family of faith right now that might be tuned in, that they would do it right now. God, we've got four incredible churches through which you're doing incredible things across our nation and across our world. So whether they want to connect with church on purpose, a greater joy, a first union, or Mount Carmel Baptist Church, God, it doesn't matter. We just want to get them connected with the work of the kingdom. 
God, have your way in their lives. God, we pray for all of the various circumstances that we face each and every day. And for those that are facing challenging circumstances, God, help them, God, to trust your heart right now. Trust that you are with them, that you are guiding them, that you are keeping them. God, we pray that you would continue to prove yourself to be a provider and a protector and a healer and a deliverer. God, and yes, a comforter to us in our times of trouble, in our times of lack, in our times of grief, in our times of uncertainty. God, guide us, regulate our hearts, regulate our minds. Help us to tune into the frequency of your will for our lives. God, we thank you for these moments of worship. We thank you for your word. It's in the mighty and the matchless name of Jesus the Christ we pray. And all God's children said amen. Amen and amen.